0: Texas talking. Oh. What was that that you said? Texas talking. Oh. Gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking. Oh. Tell me who can you trust when Texas got some Texas has some Texas talking.
1: Oh. Hello. This is Rick Levy, Secretary-Treasurer of the Texas AFL-CIO, a state labor federation consisting of over 235,000 union members who choose to be in a movement that fights for working people in the state of Texas. You may know us as the folks who brought you the weekend. We want to make absolutely clear that no workers were coerced and no taxpayer funds were expended in supporting the union in making this announcement. But enough about us. We now turn you over to our host, Ms. Emily Ramshaw. Enjoy the TripCast.
2: Thank you for that great introduction and also for using a courtesy title on my name. I don't think anybody's done that yet. Ms. Emily Ramshaw. Uh, I am here with the TripCast. I cast think this is going, going well the, so far. For the second week of September, I'm joined by CEO and Editor-in-Chief Evan Smith. It's Labor Day. It was Labor Day. Luckily, no, no Tribune employees were injured in the making of Labor Day. We actually got the day off.
0: That's because Jay, Jay Root has made it so that nobody is ever injured in his office because workers' comp, blah, blah, blah.
2: Right. Reporter Jay Root, <laughs> who is also on the trip, guest today.
0: Trying to be very safe. Has no hat on today. It's Jay
2: a, without I'm, his I'm, I'm hat the the is belandia. like a
0: day without sunshine. Didn't Farouk Shami say that? He's all
2: dressed up. And reporter Patrick Svitek, who is the main reason that I didn't have to work on Labor Day. He didn't Hello. write anything yeah. for a change.
0: It's already published. It's like it's like (laughs) five in the morning as we're taping this. It's already published today.
2: Yes, multiple times. All right, uh, Jay, let's start off by talking about the big investigation that uh, we launched today in conjunction with the Austin American Statesman, the Paid to Prosecute Project. Um, Six months of work revealed a really fascinating relationship that was, frankly, right under our our noses at the Travis County DA's office uh, with Texas Mutual Insurance. Tell us a little bit about this relationship and what makes it so unusual and potentially uh, controversial. Be
0: sure to say really nice things about Tony Ploeski.
2: We I always say really Tony nice was, things Tony, about it was, Tony it, was, it was great
3: to work with Tony, actually. It was great to work with actually. the statesman on this. Um, and,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not damning with faint breaks or Well, <laughs> no, he didn't suck as much as I thought he did. We
2: love Tony.
3: We loved him. He was great. He was great. Um, well, it's been going on for about 15 years that we know of it. We, we have a contract that goes back to 2000. Um, what's unusual about it is it's one insurance company. Um, under contract with the there's a contract between this insurance company and the Travis County DA's office they pay money they have their investigate that they they pay money to for the salaries of the prosecutors and for the support staff and travel and expenses and all of that Um, and they have 21 investigators the company does Uh, they're not sworn peace officers um, and they investigate uh, crimes that are alleged to have occurred against the company and when they think they have something that can be prosecuted they bring it over to the travis county da's office and take it to the unit that they completely fund so these are
2: completely public prosecutors who are being paid, you know, a total of $400,000 a year to take on just the cases of one private insurance company.
3: Right. And what's really unusual about this is we tried to find an example of like this anywhere in the country, and we just simply couldn't find it. Um, you definitely have examples where insurance companies face assessments. They pay these uh assessments to some government bureaucracy um, and that that money is then used to prosecute insurance fraud
2: against all, com- against, you
3: know, all well, companies well not only not only against companies but uh, but also it could be i mean not not only f- fraud that happens where the company is the target is being targeted and being defrauded but also uh, in in instances where the insurance companies might be committing the fraud um, those arrangements uh, tend to be controversial because people say, "Oh, well, you're really favoring the insurance companies." In this case, it's it's built in in in, in the sense that um, these the the cases that they prosecute are only in instances when the insurance company is alleging that it's been defrauded.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, tell us a little bit about your main character, a man by the name of Roy Keyes, who is uh, is really the subject of the you know a lot of your reporting.
3: Right. So Roy Keyes was an Odessa, is an Odessa oil field worker. Um, And in 2006, he had an injury, had a back injury. Um, It was considered to be a legitimate claim by Texas Mutual Insurance. Um, And he ended up going back to work about eight months later um, and took a, a, a new job making less money uh, and, uh, the, uh, insurance company claimed that he never told them that he went back to work. He says he did. He has, they proved, a, uh, or they, they, uh, had a letter, produced, a letter, produced right, sure. a letter, um, and said, you know, this, this notification that we've gone, he's gone back to work. Um, You know, a couple of years later, he ends up uh, opening up the mail and gets an indictment.
2: All the way from Travis
3: County. All the way from Travis County because Texas Mutual is located here. So they can indict anybody anywhere, whether it's San Antonio or Odessa or Beaumont. Um, And so he once they were able to give the prosecutor this letter that the the Travis County DA's office dropped the case, dismissed it. Um, and then he sued Texas Mutual, and in 2013, Texas Mutual ended up paying him a settlement of about ten thousand dollars.
2: Over this, this was in a, a malicious, a malicious prosecution.
3: prosecution case, right? right and this exactly. guy
2: in his hometown had ended up in his, you know, local jail in in leg chains, right? I right. Mean, a guy who'd never been, you know, had any brushes with the law.
3: Right. Had to spend eight hours in jail. Uh, we did. We checked his criminal record. We found nothing. He said he had didn't have anything in his criminal record. We checked it. There was nothing there, except for this. Um, um, now he has to disclose this arrest. When he goes and tries to get another job, he has to say, I got arrested for insurance fraud. The case was dismissed. Um, the company's position and the DA's position was, number one, they doubted the authenticity of the letter. Um, which but they
2: still settled. They still know. settled.
3: Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and um, it was uh, to me, it was interesting that Texas Mutual's position on this was, hey, this worked out the way it's supposed to work out. It went through a grand jury. Uh, He got indicted. They produced this letter... The, the prosecutor said, you know, I mean, whether the letter, whether we, you know, are sure or not, there, there's no culpable mental state here. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he, he, uh, he tried to let them know. They also called Texas Mutual. The, he and his wife and the lawyer all signed sworn affidavits saying we called and, and let to let them know. So there was no culpable mental state. The case was dismissed. And from their perspective, from the perspective of the worker and the lawyers, this didn't work out well at all because he ended up in jail, humiliated in his hometown, has a criminal record, lost his concealed handgun per, uh, license. So he's
0: extremely you know, upset. And that's kind
2: of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Look, from, from extremely a, upset. From a
0: policy <clears throat> from a policy standpoint, isn't this an unusual arrangement that you guys are documenting? Highly unusual. Uh, again, is there another instance anywhere of this that you're aware the of? The only the the, the
3: closest <clears throat> uh, case that we that we found was in Colorado. For several years, their uh, government-controlled, government-created, government-controlled insurer, work comp insurer, which is subject to the Open Records Act, subject to government audits, unlike Texas Mutual, did have an arrangement where they paid uh, a—they didn't uh, subsidize all the prosecutions. They just paid a grant to the attorney general's office to help defray the costs of prosecutions. That no longer exists. That stopped in 2012. If there is any other example where that like this, we'd like to know about it because we were not it's able at, to find at, it.
0: At best, it's highly unusual. It's highly unusual. A- and is it necessarily a case where bad things are happening as a result of it, or is it just optics? The optics are bad. Um, now, the
3: the people that we we found two not guilty verdicts in this one dismissal and then a ton of pleas typically the way this happens is they come to you and say look you're we're going to indict you or you are indicted and then you know if you pay some restitution settle, with us. Yeah, settle okay. with us and it's and it's out that's the way most of these have been handled but the 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 defense lawyers that we've talked to, the critics of this, particularly a couple of them that got sideways and that, you know, like a not guilty verdict, they thought this was really horrible in in their individual case and that there was a miscarriage of justice and that they felt like the fact that there was this conflict, what they saw as a conflict of interest. Um, that it that you know because of that they were they were wrongfully prosecuted.
2: Well, let's hear two short clips. The first from the injured worker Roy Keyes and the second from Tim Riley, who's the chief of fraud investigations from Texas Mutual. We'll just listen to those back to back. I don't think
0: a insurance company should have that kind of power to do people like that. Just treat them however they want to, and then have district attorneys just taking their word for it. All they get back from us is every dollar they actually spend working on a
3: Texas Mutual case. So that means all we paid them is the prosecutor's salary, the support staff's salary, uh, cost to serve subpoenas, uh, cost for witness travel, uh, cost for your cell phone. So I don't know where people think we pay. We, it's the same money the prosecutor would get anyways. It just allows them to have a couple of more prosecutors.
2: So I find this quote from Tim Riley to be really interesting because he's basically saying, you know, n- no, we're not paying to prosecute these cases. But then he just listed all the different things that they Well, the, are, their position
0: basically seems to be nothing to see here keep walking, mm. right? They're, right. They, they, they don't understand what all the fuss is about. Well, right. Basically,
3: that it's just money. It's not uh, you're not. It's not influence. It's
2: just money. You're
3: not buying a prosecution, uh, a, a specific prosecution of a specific complaint. They bring a complaint to this unit that they fund. And if the unit thinks that it's a bogus case or that there's nothing there, then they won't take it. Um, well, na-
2: one of their big lines of defense is actually the the a big element of this project, which is the prosecutor of this unit, the woman named Donna Crosby, who's really fiery, has a you know a big independent streak, has a social media where her liberal views are sort of all over the place, including calling for Ted Cruz mm-hmm. to self-deport and um, and saying that that Rick Perry is a crook. You know, their Texas Mutual is one of their lines. In other of words, th-
0: she's the Travis County. <laughs>
2: <leader>. <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. I mean, one of <clears> their <throat> lines of defense is basically, look how independent. independent this prosecutor is, you know, we may pay for, you know, this unit, but it doesn't mean that we decide what, you know, what charges are brought.
3: Right. Well, I mean, you know, the context, of course, about the DA's office is interesting in the sense that the Republican leaders in Texas um, have been complaining bitterly about alleged political bias Um, in the DA's office and so you know you have you have this example now uh, Donna Crosby says look this has nothing to do with the way I look at cases I I look at each prosecution I'm very fair to my defendants Um, we do have some people who uh, that we've contacted the defense lawyer in particular Janet Pruitt who said well she's also said some things um, that could suggests that maybe if, if you are a white Republican Tea Party person, male, that may, male, yeah. male, that you wouldn't get a fair shake. And she says, no, that's not the case. But again, this is this is the point of contention that we exposed in this.
2: Jay asked series. her, you know, a question about basically her response to her social media account where she calls Rick Perry a crook. And uh, she has a, a pretty succinct response to it that we're going to hear uh, quickly. He is a crook. He's a crook. And you know what? He's gotten away with a lot of stuff in this country and in this state from day one. And I could say this I could prosecute Rick Perry. I could prosecute Dan, whatever his last name, Patrick, and be fair to him and treat them with the utmost of respect, but I could still try them and not be biased. I don't like their politics, but prosecution is completely different for me. So that's basically her, her line of defense Yikes. here, which is yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm not. Yeah, my politics don't get in the way of what I do. But Rick Perry is still a paging
0: crook. Tony Busby.
2: <laughs> uh, right. I mean, if you and and Jay and I were talking about that a little bit this morning, you know, if you're Rick Perry or if you're Tony Busby, and you already have you know concerns about the the you know partiality or impartiality of the Travis County DA's office, you know, you might look at a story like this or a character like this and say, you know, see, we're right. Suspicions
0: confirmed. Well, what a couple of
3: attorneys also told me was, you know, I mean, look, defense attorneys when they have a client before a prosecutor, they're looking for ways to get it thrown out. And um, I've been told by a couple of the de- defense attorneys that if they were involved in a case like this, the first thing they would do is say, "Oh well, you're biased. You need to get off the case." You, and of course, they'd fight that. And I don't know how that would turn out. But again, it's it's just ammunition. It's a question of judgment. Those are the those are the kinds of criticisms that we came across. And again, Donna says it's not. It has nothing to do with it. I'm not biased. I, I'm, I'm, I'm biased politically, but I don't let any of that get into yeah. my well, the way I process. And even
2: some of the lawyers who aren't big fans of hers say, "Look, I don't want anybody going through my Twitter feed either. You know, you can right. still do your job and have you know a crazy personal Twitter feed.
3: But again, that's why we political. Try to get, yeah,
2: that's why we try to get Evan to stop talking about the Yankees on Twitter. Someone might be offended. Stop. People might question our impartiality. But in the larger political context, context. (laughs) you're going to have
0: a child, and when your child is born, that child may be a baseball fan, but probably be a Mets fan
2: because of your husband. Uh Which is,
0: I can't do anything about that. That's just sad.
2: (laughs) The Mets are great this year. But, anyway, just, but the larger
3: political context, obviously. I mean, we spent the, you know, a, a good part of this last session of the legislature talking about the Travis County DA's office, and they they actually moved the public integrity unit right. out of the DA's office. They've over, basically over, been denuded, haven't they? Pretty much. Oh, I mean, they, boy. well, they've lost their. The, the, the interesting thing too is the interesting thing is it got a million of them. <laughs> this this workers' comp unit funded by Texas Mutual is the only insurance only insurance fraud unit dedicated solely to insurance fraud in the Travis County DA's office because of the veto that took away their insurance fraud unit there you go all
2: right well let's uh, move to our friend Ted Cruz who's been hopping all over the place uh, making lots of waves whether it's in Kentucky or uh, back home in DC Patrick what you've been on Rick or you've been on Ted Cruz patrol uh, what is he up to this week
1: Sure. So, he spent a lot of time in his home state uh, just last week. He was in Houston uh, last Tuesday to speak to the Greater Houston Partnership, which is kind of a a pro-business heavy crowd that has not always been friendly to him. And he, again, got a kind of a lukewarm reception from those business leaders. Um, which probably helps him, right? Because basically, these days, people in the business community are communists. Sure,
2: he really sure, wants the evangelicals, right? not the business And in leaders. some ways,
1: we haven't heard this yet from him, but this is the kind of rhetoric we've heard from him in the past. He went into that crowd, and he did not tell them what they wanted to hear at all. He, the two main topics that he spoke of, defunding Planned Parenthood, which Gulf Coast Planned Parenthood is a member of the Greater Houston <laughs> Partnership. Wow. Um, so defunding Planned Parenthood and then defeating the Iranian nuclear agreement. Um, certainly two hot political topics right now, but not Wait. exactly the pet causes of the the Greater Houston Partnership. And the implication is
0: that he's willing to shut down the government at
2: Right. Let's you know, talk about that plan Parenthood. Or both
0: of these, and mm. honestly, the business community can't be thrilled mm. about that. Exactly. Yeah. It
2: seems and, the question is largely around. You know, he really wants to to defund Planned Parenthood, and he's suggested has not sort of thrown out of bed the idea that he might lead to a government shutdown over over that funding. Right.
1: Yeah. Exactly. I mean, he's he's all but hinted that that kind of fight, um, the same kind of fight that we saw in, in the lead up to the last government shutdown that he was at the center of, uh, could be coming again this fall, and as. Our colleague Gabby Livingston wrote about in D.C. I mean, the big question is, is this fall: is how far is Ted Cruz going to take these battles in Congress?
0: Well, you know, Patrick. Remember the last time that the government was shut down, Cruz's response to the charge that he shut the government down was, well, "I didn't shut it the government down. It wasn't me. Harry Reid shut the government exactly. down because he didn't do yeah. everything I wanted right. him to do." And- so the, the fact <laughs> is, you may have Cruz make a, a version of that argument. Well, if only you all would just capitulate and define Planned Parenthood.
1: We wouldn't have to shut it again. So you're the one shutting the government. And well, that was exactly the kind of right? pre he had in Houston. Was you know. In the middle of this fall, he told this crowd, um, "You're going to hear from the media saying that Ted Cruz and the you know the Republicans are responsible for shutting down the government. That's inaccurate. It's going to be you know the Democrats are the ones who wouldn't uh, who wouldn't waver and who wouldn't." The thing uh, is,
2: shutting down the government over a Planned Parenthood issue plays perfectly to his base at a time when right. he really needs to steal the limelight back from uh, Donald Trump. So you know, in a lot of ways, it makes perfect sense for him to take this as, as far as he can because he's on TV and he's in the newspaper and he's on stage. But you also
0: have another dynamic developing, which I'm curious if Patrick views the same way that I do, and that is that the Iran deal is becoming less of a thing because now the president's got enough votes that he won't even have to veto the thing, right? I mean, that's, sure, yeah. I mean, the opposition seems like the it's opposition is, is 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 uh, to it is not gathering enough steam to prevent or thwart the president. Let's just say to mm-hmm. thwart the president. So, the idea of shutting the government down over the Iran deal it may be, pra- practically speaking, a much harder thing to do. So what may be left for Cruz and others is the Planned Parenthood. Thing. Yeah, may, exactly. I mean, I it.
1: think he won't admit that right now openly, but I think that puts more pressure on him right. to to wage a serious battle on Planned Parenthood. Right. And and it's random. arguable whether the
0: women who are opposed to these attacks on Planned Parenthood – I mean, I, 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 let me just say it this way. I think that there's a really interesting question. You, know, you shut the government down over – you know, as we did the last time, there wasn't necessarily an identifiable base of vote that would have been put off by that. I, I, you know, the Republicans are, are trying very hard to, to say we're not hostile to women. We don't. You know, this is a, a, an issue of, of, of conscience and morality and faith. I just wonder if this is going to somehow cause nah. a response out in the world.
2: Planned Parenthood up and down, right, right. and left. But,
0: but, but independent women, don't independent women tend to poll more favorably on the Planned Parenthood question than not? And Cruz is not yeah, going yeah, for Cruz, independent think, women. Yeah, he's just trying to consolidate the But does the, the, base? But does the yeah. party ultimately suffer for it?
2: I don't think the I I don't think Cruz think cares what the party thinks. I mean, I, mm-hmm. Cruz and the party to me are are not. Does he so not honest. still
0: want the party's nomination? Did I fall and hit my head? Well, look, there's like 500 people states.
3: running for president on the Republican side right now. So how do you stand out? I mean, you got to win
1: the nomination. So is first, there no? In you, you, reasons, you, is there he's no, in that lane. Is
0: there no risk at all politically for doing this?
2: The Planned Parenthood stuff? I mean, yeah. he just... Zero. Cruz is
1: going to f- just further alienate the segments of the GOP electorate that Who he's Who are not going to vote for him anyway. You know, the right. business community, I guess, the more independent leaning... You know, I mean, this I, is I
0: about mean, the primary. Yeah, but, you know, I do I do step back. I, I get all that piece. I, I, I step back from this, though, and I wonder from a math standpoint, if the entire Republican primary process produces a nominee, whoever the nominee is, and in the course of producing that nominee, both the Latino community and women are somehow turned off to the Republican message, does that ultimately present a problem going forward or is all forgiven once the convention happens and it's now the general election.
3: Sure, no, if they I, vote. No, I think we'll definitely be talking about that in August and September, mm-hmm. but you know, right now it's it's the it's the nomination. Yeah, and I mean, and honestly, all these
2: things create problems for him in the general. They don't create I mean, right. but they don't create problems now.
0: So we're sitting here today on the day that Donald Trump and Ted Cruz are both rallying against the Iran deal in Washington. I mean, the Cruz phenomenon and the Trump phenomenon phenomena are sort of connected. And I, I just think that so much about this campaign has been mysterious to us and unexpected that we really can't sit here accurately, in fairness to Cruz or anybody else, and predict anything.
2: But I think the the, the sort of hanging with, with Donald Trump is a more risky proposition than, you know, railing against Planned Parenthood. I mean, I just think it it hasn't yet. And so far, it's been a pretty good gamble. But I think, you know— Trump is so sort of explosive. I mean, at any moment, there could be something that is, is unearthed that's a total disaster where, you know, Cruz's you know, friendship or whatever this is, relationship, romance with, Don, romance with Donald Trump could backfire. Nothing
3: seems you know. to hurt Trump right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, that could obviously change. But I mean, look at the way uh, Rick Perry and Don and, and Ted Cruz handled the Trump issue and who won that deal. I mean, Cruz Cruz was all, you know, just all over Trump and and loving on Trump, and Perry was harshly critical, and, and like, he never recovered
1: from it. That's when he started going down, What
0: What are the risks of Cruz... playing footsie with
1: Trump at this thing today? Well, or? I think it's going to continue, to especially today, and this has been overlooked, I think, is that Cruz Kr- and Trump actually have policy differences. Cruz has tried to say, you know, I'm not going to get involved in personalities and stylistic contrast, you know, and attack other people one-on-one and make personal attacks. But even on the Iranian deal, Cruz and Trump don't see eye to eye. I mean, you know, Cruz has talked about ripping it up on day one and getting, throwing out the agreement. Trump has not gone that far at all on, def- on defunding Planned Parenthood. Uh, you know, Cruz has suggested going as far as shutting down the government or going to those kinds of lengths. Trump has been like, ah, I don't think it's that <laughs> It's not what we're dying on that hill for. And so I think it'll be interesting to see as this this unique relationship goes on, whether they have to confront any of those actual policy differences that they have. Because again, Cruz has been like, oh, it's, you know, I'm not going to be personal. I'm not going to get involved in attacks on personalities. Um, but there are real policy differences. Well, there. he says that, but then he called Mitch McConnell a liar too. Exactly. I mean, what, yeah, you, well, you, know, you know that, I
3: mean, you, you know, you can, Criticize somebody pretty harshly and still say, Hey, I didn't make it. It wasn't personal. He's just a liar.
2: Meanwhile, the love does not seem to be there as much today uh, between Huckabee and Ted Cruz. Sure, yes, Uh, the latest (laughs) um, chapter. Yes, there has been a little breakup over there. What (laughs) happened exactly in Kentucky uh, over this delightful woman who has been married So the the, the delightful woman is is,
1: uh, Kim Davis. She's a county clerk in Kentucky who was jailed last week over her refusal to issue uh, marriage licenses to gay couples. Uh, She was released yesterday, um, and she was released in a just stroke of, of political luck for some people. Um, as Mike Huckabee and Ted Cruz were traveling to to her, um, you know to her home city, Grayson, Kentucky, not to, a coincidence.
2: I mean, they were headed there for. yeah,
1: they already had planned to head there to but meet the news with her, broke incarcerated, that she was going to be right. released as they were heading there. Huckabee had announced that he was going there a few days ago and pretty much had gotten out in front of this and had aggressively positioned himself as as, you know her advocate in the presidential field. Cruz's campaign didn't announce until Tuesday morning basically hours before she was released that he would be heading to uh, Kentucky and also uh, appearing outside the, the the jail to speak with reporters. So there was also this rally going on outside the jail that was largely organized by the Huckabee campaign. And even though Cruz's campaign said he would not be a part of Huckabee's event, it was, it was unavoidable. I mean, this huge rally was all outside the jail and Cruz was clearly a part of it and, and trying to be a part of it. And at one point, um, Huckabee, upon the woman's release from prison, Huckabee and her got in front of the, the microphones and addressed reporters, and it was like the perfect photo op if you're someone like Huckabee who's trying to court the Christian evangelical vote, um, just like Cruz is, and so Huckabee kind of secured that post-release Kim Davis photo grabbed op. Grabbed her
2: hand. He yeah, she
1: was sobbing. Uh, he said that he'd be willing to go back to jail in her place. Oh I mean, it was it was perfect for the Huckabee campaign. It was probably <laughs> for... their be- the best day of mm-hmm. this entire yeah. race for them.
0: Cruz got hucked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, and and actually, you're exactly right. Huckabee has been nowhere.
1: In the poll, right? He's been nowhere in the conversation about the nomination. The so he, he certainly nomination, doesn't want Cruz yeah.
2: to come steal his stage. Yeah,
1: and so while this, this picture-perfect moment was playing out, Cruz was off screen, basically. And there was a video that was released last night by MSNBC that showed very clearly that Cruz had tried to kind of— Enter this, the frame of the news conference, and he was physically blocked Huckabee's by, goon by a Huckabee. <laughs> I think is his body guy, or his personal assistant, or his security guard, or whatever. And it, it goes on for a few, you know, for about a minute. Cruz repeatedly tries to outmaneuver the security guard and get into the the, the news conference. Was anybody helping gonna... Cruz, or like no? Cruz like on, on his own. Where, where was Jason Johnson?
2: <laughs> where was Catherine <laughs> Fraser throwing elbows?
1: Exactly. Yeah. he Listen, needed Cru- Sheila Jackson Lee there <laughs> to help him get elbow Cru- in Cruise there. Cruz is not often gamed. Exactly, I and mean, that's why it was, it was so remarkable. It was a rare outmaneuvering. That... Right, so, so
0: let me, I, I hate to, to move us rare off of the kind of theatrics
1: like of all this and oh, the drama,
0: but, the but I, I ask about fun. substance. I, I'm not a lawyer. Does this woman have a leg to stand on? And so are Cruz she's and be supporting somebody who has a leg to stand on legally, despite the fact that she's now been released from jail? Or is this just basically wait, politics? Wait, she's been
2: released under the, with the understanding that her deputy is going to continue to... And that she
0: won't interfere and that with she her she work. Been, right. She's
2: been told not to interfere. But does she have
0: a leg to... St- I mean, this is very much the conversation we were having about Hood County here and, and mm-hmm. the question of whether people can claim religious objections to issuing licenses. Does she have a leg to stand on I legally? Mean,
2: what the courts have basically said, or what you know, attorneys who are experts in this say, is it it's it's going to be taken on a case-by-case basis, looking at the merits of an individual person's case. So, like, they'd look back at her history and see has she fought for this kind of stuff before? They might even look at her personal history, which, obviously, as you know, has been reported, is that she's been married three different times. You know, someone who's very concerned about the sanctity of marriage. No,
0: not illegal to be divorced. No,
2: no not illegal to <laughs> you know, be a same-sex married couple. Um, well, you not know. now. So, you know, I think. <laughs> I'm not sure at the end of the day if she will have a legal leg to stand on in this particular case. And if she – the big question, I think, is whether she continues trying to interfere. You know, I mean, that's the – that's what will – She was
1: asked – she and her lawyer were asked Mm -hmm. a lot of specific legal questions yesterday, and all they would continue to say was, we're going to – not going to violate our religious beliefs. We're going to not violate them. And so it sounds like there could still be plenty more to come in this case. You've not
0: mentioned the most important part of the story, which is unfortunate, and that is the husband's fashion game was outstanding. Have you seen the Joe photographs Davis, of the yeah. guy? No. On, on, on Facebook or Twitter, wherever this it was? This is the
2: guy who wanted to talk about the substance of this case, right? right. He, I, he yeah. was
0: rocking some overalls, wasn't he, actually? He was, yeah. He was looked quite great. The character. I mean, well,
2: this... that also plays to the base. Yeah.
0: Well, sure. Okay.
2: All right. Well, in our final remaining minutes here, let's just get a quick uh, Rick Perry update. <laughs> uh, the poor guy, there are all these rumors that his campaign is totally done. Trying to see if I can replicate
0: drain. that end of the Pac-Man round noise. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, we're kind of at that point, aren't we? Well, I mean, he doesn't
3: have any staff in any of the mm-hmm. three of, yeah. of, of Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, right? They,
0: CNN yeah. reported yesterday that South Carolina's the office is closed,
1: right? So his, his South Carolina campaign headquarters has, has physically closed. It sounds like they're moving to a new location, but like we said in our piece today, it was just the latest reminder that, you know, his staff in the early voting states is is seriously dwindling. He's only paying two staffers in the early voting states right now, and that's the minimum requirement to participate in the upcoming debates. So what's his thinking, if you can
0: tell us you know, kind of what is this VTech analysis here? I mean, I
1: think he he's thinking that I need a breakout moment in this next debate, even if, it, if it's in that undercard event. I mean, they look at how Carly Fiorina stole the, you know, got the ticket out of the last undercard yeah. event.
2: Although stuff's been pretty quiet with her since then. It was her, like, her, she'll
1: her be she's, been, she's, doing, she's yeah, at she's, the adult table. Right. Yeah. Still. Right?
2: I mean, it, you She know,
0: parlayed that kitty debate on the last
3: one. Into, into, the, into, the, into the
2: adults uh, the, table at Thanksgiving. Right. So basically yeah.
0: Perry's going to have to, like, you know, give out Lindsey Graham's phone number or something. <laughs> exactly. I mean, who's he, who's he up on that do, right. right. Yeah. I mean at this point you'd have to like, you know, rescue somebody from a
3: burning car or something <laughs> and... go all Cory Booker on us, right? <laughs> <I> mean, seriously, right? <laughs> well, yeah. the problem
0: is so it's Santorum, Lindsey Graham, Bobby Jindal, well, no Bobby Jindal will or won't be in the I think so. You have to be at least 1% in the polls. So Jindal will be in the kid debate or the grown up. Oh, he'll def- I think Jindal will definitely be in the kid in debate. In the kid debate. Yeah. I mean, it isn't like Perry's he's this down, he's bit- down there with like Lindsey Graham or well, like and the 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 Rent is too damn rants. high guy yeah. from the New York Bears race, you know, <laughs> and like I, it's I mean it's unfortunate. Look, Perry is a better candidate this time than last time. No question about that. But, I mean, look, what, what happens? Anything the man says, highly scrutinized through the lens of 2012. Uh, uh, a broken clock is right once a day. Yeah. Well, the whole world is just going crazy. Well, the guy Ron, was in the Ronald, Air Force. Ronald
3: Raven. Ronald well, right, Raven. Yeah. I mean, the guy the was thing. in the Air Force. It's no. military time.
0: He's not technically wrong. <laughs> we said right?
3: this like two years ago or whatever, like that when Rick Perry runs again, yeah. he's going There's the scrutiny on him is going to be because of the oops moment, because of all that, the history of gaffes, he's going to have to be gaff-free. And he hasn't been gaff-free.
2: Well, if you would like to scrutinize anything that was said oh, on the Tribcast today, you can email us, tribcast at org. We're also still here inviting you to the 5th Annual Texas Tribune Festival, October 16th through 18th you on the UT Austin You sound put campus. upon
0: to actually mention it every week.
2: Oh, well, you know, I'm just, a paid, be great. I'm just paid to advertise on
0: that. I'm
3: going this Sponsored. year. Sponsored. I hope you are going. Yes, good. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, Thank right. you. Thank you very much. Thank I was you. at the Wendy Davis debate last time. You will be Wendy able Davidson. to
0: see Emily Ramshaw ask really great questions of Sid Miller. It's true. I mean, a that is small small worth the price highlight of the <laughs> uh, of, of the program, which will be released later this week. Yep.
2: So you can register at texastribune.org slash festival. Uh, we'd like to thank Shiny Ribs for doing our music and on behalf of Evan, Patrick, Jay, and our producer, Todd, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking.
0: Talking
2: baby baby you would have been like, oh yet again, Reeve, some shit intro. Oh.